0: Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing tonight? Hello. How are you doing tonight? Again.
1: <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you?
0: All right, relax. Relax, relax. Uh, I'm doing this, great. Is, How are this, you? This is different from many other podcasts that you may have done and maybe heard. It's pretty, pretty lay back and chill over here. Great. And I, don't, I don't just say that. But... Today, we have a very special guest, someone I know, someone that knows me well, a very important person in my life. Um, my kids call her nanny, call her auntie, and I call her sister, but we're going to call by her professional name, Miss Smith, Miss Tawana Smith, licensed social worker. Everything like that, uh, give out your qualifications, you know I don't want to leave anything out, I want to shortchange you As your the um, flowers, per se
1: Well, thank you, Mr. Smith Are we being formal or can I call you my nickname? I guess we're not being,
0: We're being formal <laughs>
1: <laughs> Okay, so I'm Tawana Smith I'm a licensed clinical social worker And a licensed addictions counselor I have my master's in social work from LSU I have a bachelor's in my undergrad from McNeese State University, and I have about 20 years of experience in the social service field. I've worked in inpatient hospitalization on the psychiatric unit, outpatient. I've done individuals and groups. I've worked in prison. I started off in um, sexual assault and domestic violence. Um, I have been blessed to work in many, many areas, and still there yet there are many more that I'd like to dibble dabble in one of my favorite areas that I worked in is hospice. I absolutely positively love hospice we'll probably always love hospice and currently, I'm working with veterans, which I absolutely positively love and Of all the loves I have, I believe working with children is by far one of my favorites. children, adolescents. But I do have a special place in my heart for what we call the littles, and that's um, five and up.
0: Okay.
1: So that's a little bit of my background and things I've done and a little bit of my history as per requested from Mr. Smith.
0: Okay. So what made you go into the field of social work?
1: Um, <laughs> that's a great question. I think I realized um, after I got into social work, after I got into my first semester of social work school, that I am a social worker. Um, initially my goal from seventh grade on was to be a doctor, and when I got to tenth grade I wanted to become a heart surgeon And somewhere in between there, I ended up in psychology, which I've always kind of loved psychology, so I guess it was pretty natural. And then, um, so my goal after I got my bachelor's degree in psychology was to become a licensed professional counselor, and somehow I ended up in social work school and realized, oh, my God, I am a social worker. And if you're wondering what the difference between a licensed professional counselor and a licensed clinical social worker are, let me share with you. We both work in the social service field. Um, social workers have a person and environment theory, which means we treat the person in their environment. We, If they come to us for depression or anxiety and happen to be homeless, we help them, we help connect them with the resources to get what they need so that they can address the real issue of depression or anxiety. Um, So that's the the theory, the theoretical background of social workers. We meet the person where they are. We work with the person in the environment. Um,
0: You can find... For my profession, we work hand-in-hand in in a sense. Mm
1: hmm. We do. You will. You can find social workers, and th- and let me just say this, because I have several friends whom I love and who are near and dear to me that are licensed professional counselors, and we just we go about the work of providing social services in a different way. But if you meet someone who's a licensed professional counselor or who's a licensed clinical social worker, we're not typically. For the most part, we're not in it for the money. We're in it for the heart first. So um, no shade to licensed that's professional so, counselors.
0: That's so sweet. We're in it for this and not for the money. So, we are. I mean, okay. you need
1: money to, of course, we need money to live and survive on, but money is not the driving force. I've turned down jobs just because it's not, It's. I've left jobs because we have a different, um, idea of what good quality patient care is and so okay. for me and for people that I know and surround myself with and I would say for the most part people in the social service field do initially come into us for the heart from the heart.
0: Yep. So I wanna ask you on kind of sidebar. What do you feel is a way that we can kind of defeat the stereotypes that plague the black community of mental health?
1: I think we have to have more open, honest conversations, kind of like what we're having now. We have to know that we need to know a few things and embrace and and hold on to some of these things. Uh, One thing I think we need to... Embrace and understand that it is okay to not be okay Um, I think From a history standpoint We've always been taught to be strong and to suck it up And it's okay and don't cry and it's all right And keep it moving, you fall down, you get back up And all those things are great But sometimes it's just simply okay to be not okay. There's okay. no questions, there's no sometimes you just have to sit in and get comfortable with not being okay. And 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 we have to we have to call things what they are. We, you know, we as a society, but if we're specifically talking about the African American culture and community, we experience trauma in so many different ways on so many different levels but we don't even recognize what it is we just keep moving we just keep going and until we start recognizing trauma and and putting a name to what it is and not calling it oh this or that or oh, you need to just get up off your pity pie and get moving. We have got to put a name to what it is. We have to call it what it is so that we can move past it. You know, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to, to sit in the hurt and the pain, but it's not okay to just stay there because that's where the problem lies. So if we as a community are open and honest about our feelings, talk about our feelings, embrace the thought that it's okay to not be okay, embrace the thought that it's okay to get help. Um, I think those are some of the things that we can do. And, again, continue to have these conversations.
0: I agree. Mm -hmm. I'll just speak on my perspective from working within the field of, I guess, mental illness. There's so many cases that go undiagnosed because people feel that, oh, that's a sign of weakness to say if you're having mental issues or if you're hurt or you're going through depression and violence mm-hmm. because within the black community, it's seen as weak and we can't be, ever be seen as weak. We can't take a moment of weakness because people will prey upon us. They'll prey upon us as viewed, um, and which I don't really think they will.
1: And well, I think we do it to ourselves. It's in our mind. Like, I think for some of us, I think it's it's in our mind. It's I perceive that, oh, if I'm not that, 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 then I'm not strong. But strength is knowing and owning your weaknesses, whatever they may be. And not to say that being depressed is a weakness because I don't think it's a weakness. Having anxiety Is definitely not a weakness, and um, any other mental health is just as if you had high blood pressure, uh, diabetes, same thing. It's just your mind.
0: Yes, this is true. So, I mean, a perfect example is, you know, I'll touch on this. I don't want to go too much. Tell me if it's too far. Uh, Dealing with our mother past. You know, we all experience forms of, I guess, grieving.
1: Yeah, we were grieving most definitely. We were dab smacking to grief. We were dab smacking to depression. We were into anger, or I felt anger for sure. Um, but I, I will tell you um, that's probably most correlated with uh, anxiety. Like I've had test anxiety before, and so I knew anxiety from that standpoint. I knew anxiety from the standpoint of if I'm speaking or doing something in the public, I knew it from that standpoint. But me, with the experience I have and knowing about anxiety, it took my friends to say, okay, um, you probably need to talk to somebody. Like, you probably need to have a conversation with your doctor. Because it felt like there was an elephant sitting on my chest, and I just could not breathe. Like, I just, and I couldn't stop it. I couldn't control it. And that's what anxiety is. Like, you have, you can't control when it comes over you. And in that particular sense, um, in dealing with mom's loss, I had, it just, I was sitting down watching TV and, out of nowhere, my chest was so heavy, um, that and I was like, wait, is this depre- like, is this anxiety? Is, is this what I'm feeling? And I did talk to my, my prima my primary care provider and um he did provide me something mild. Um, of course I'm aware of medications. I try to say I don't wanna be on anything that has a an addictive component to it. Um, and even in that, even in that, like when it hit me, and I'm like, wait, is this, is this anxiety? Like, and for me, the biggest part of anxiety is in many different, it, the symptoms, the, the feelings are many, are different for different people in different situations, specifically for me in this situation with mom's loss it felt like an elephant was sitting on my chest. I just, I couldn't breathe and I couldn't stop it and I didn't know how to make it go away. And I'm a licensed per. I teach people how to um, work within their anxiety, but in this particular sense, I just, I, I couldn't. And so, um, and then I would, so I would, so I'm having this pain. I've talked to the doctor, I've gotten the medicine. And so here's the elephant on my chest and I'm like, Wait, is this anxiety? Like, is this what this is? And then I'll take the medicine, and about thirty minutes to an hour afterwards, I'm like, Oh, I can breathe. Uh, I, I think that's what it was. (laughs) Like, so I think it's important for us to just be aware and to and to know and to not. Like in my mind, it could have been a million different things, but it really was. It was anxiety.
0: Well, and I I
1: didn't mean. Long-winded, but that that was just my my closest um, example of feeling anxiety and and being able to recognize it for what it is.
0: Well, it a can't help. because a lot of people think it's actual like a heart attack or stroke. And
1: well, sometimes the your chest is hurting so bad. My chest didn't necessarily hurt; it just it was so heavy. It yes. was it was. It was like it was sucking my. I couldn't breathe. Like I, it felt like for people who have asthma and who have experienced an asthma attack, it felt like an asthma attack. Like it felt like I could not breathe, and I wasn't running. I was just sitting down. <laughs> I
0: understand. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the thing that helped me with everything was just being. How I feel, how I went about my day, you know. Mm-hmm. I I feel like crying. I cried. I didn't. Right. I, I didn't hide it. from nothing I wanted it to be where it was for however long it had to be, right. but I'm feeling to begin. And um. That's right. I our like associates and friends of mine that I really don't remember too much from 20, the 2018 and 2019 because there was so much going on, as you know. Mm-hmm. points from the birth of our son. Well, your, not
1: our son,
0: but... Of course, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, not Your nephew. Mm-hmm. Since the time of the death of our mother, it was like back-to-back, so it was mm-hmm. emotions. Like,
1: and, and the, right, the feelings were so, like, the birth of a baby. is like, oh, my God, yay, you know, it's an exciting thing. And then,
0: and then boom. Like, the
1: loss of our mom, is like...
0: That's, it's a boom, so... Yeah. It was, and some people I say, it, it's very different in a sense, you know, because you know, we lost our father, but this was so different because it hurts so much. And I said, our father didn't hurt at all. It just, it was so unbelievable. Like, it, mm-hmm. it was awesome words, like, how do we get to this? And I guess back in my mind, we felt like she was going to forever, even though we I think we just didn't want to come face to face with that day of that thought of losing her. For mm-hmm. her impact and what she means to our family,
1: right, right, and I uh, think
0: it's the hardest pill to swallow,
1: right. And I think the loss of dad was so different um, because it was, it was, it was. They both were the biggest pains I've ever felt in my whole entire life. Um, yeah. but they were very different, and I think part of the difference is because. We're, we were different people at those times. Like, we were different people in 2018 versus in 2003 when Dad died.
0: Um, yes. I was we, just
1: You know, you were young. I'm still I
0: mean, young. It's still tough below everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Boy. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, I think I didn't know how to handle things. Like, so right. over things. I didn't know what emotions to have because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was asked how am I feeling. I'm all right, and it's just like I—I I was kind of numb to stuff. I just didn't. Mm-hmm. I guess it didn't set in. It took a long right. time for it to really set in. Like, right. I just, Like, and yeah. you—you
1: know—you were away. Yeah. Like, you were at school, and then you were back here. Then you were at school, and then you were back here. So,
0: and you like was different. Two months, three months, out of the year. We went to the of time. Right. So it was just—it it was different, like you know, when I found out that, that that night, early on a year before everything happened, you know, I broke down, and I think that was it. Mm-hmm. Broke down in my dorm in front of everybody, mm-hmm. and I picked myself up. And I, I guess I used that for mother, because she said, I'll pick yourself up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, she so,
0: was that. I'll pick yourself up, and remember, life continues, and I think that. Wording and that phrase always coming through things that help me get through her. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I have kids so I have to live for, them.
1: right?
0: And you know, none of us want to face that reality that we're going to lose our parents. Like just the thought of thinking of my son losing me, right? And then them or you or something like that. Like it's a constant thought. Mm-hmm. You know, tragedy, but you know, life continues on.
1: It does. And- yeah. One one of the things that I think that helped me, Joe, is that they prepared us for this, like
0: Yes, yeah, that's true. They
1: they they paved the way. They put us in situations that were better than theirs and they they prepared us for it. And so for me, when I came to this moment and it was actually working with a patient who was dealing with depression and the loss of her mom. But anyway, when I came to this moment, um, it was with her, and she's like, "How do you, how do you go on, and how do you live?" And so here is, you know, I believe in God. I respect people and whoever they believe in. But for me, that was the same questions I was asking God: like, how am I supposed to do this? Every day, every minute. How yes. am I supposed to do this? And so, so the
0: challenge of your faith in a sense, your right. belief.
1: Right. It it didn't challenge. It just. It, that was just <laughs> a conversation that God and I was having. I was like, God, you know, I, I wasn't, like I just kept asking Him over and over. And so, I'm working with this patient that I was not really, you know, my supervisor for. I get. I'm not gonna say she forgot. But considering what was going on with the patient, she knew I would, I would be the one to go out there and work with her. And so through this process or whatever, um, she asked me the same exact question that I was asking God. And was okay. without a tear in my face, and I don't know how I did it today, but without her tears in my face, I said, our, my parents prepared me for this, and I owe it to them to continue their legacy. Like this is our this is our torch. This is they have passed the torch to us, and I, I we think, I feel have that way. to we have to carry it out because like, they
0: set like us up fa- for it. <laughs> like I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm cutting you off. Like at father figure, I felt the same way because you remember when we got the initial word that he had passed, when we was at the hospital Mm -hmm. and I walked back in the building. I knew at that point, because I didn't make it halfway in the building because I was outside. I was actually talking Mm -hmm. and I walked in and I heard you crying. I heard you say, I lost my daddy. So at that point, I already knew it wasn't a, a tear. It was just like a moment of, I have to step up. I have to be more. Cause you know, me and father's last conversation was that Friday. I was getting off of work at Popeyes, and he said,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I "Have to do better. I'm not going to always be around." Little did I know that was a prelude to the end. Right. Um. So it was it was a unique thing, but I think it was a sign for everything to come. Cause you remember, I just came, hugged everybody, told everybody it was going to be all right.
1: Mm.
0: And we, you know, we just I did. don't
1: really remember
0: that, but I'm pretty sure you do. But, but we proceeded on, and you know, I, I'm thankful that we have strong parents. And with that said, into parenting, how would you feel? How you feel nowadays with parenting and dealing with how we were raised? Because I feel like I feel like you get somewhat of a a negative stereotype. And I think it's only by case by case basis. Like,
1: wait, I'm I'm not clear on what you're asking.
0: Parenting, how do you feel about parenting now? Because some people feel like, I guess the way we were raised will be seen as abusive or something now. Not saying we have well, to be... maybe
1: not abusive. Well, no, I'm but I'm talking about no. um, I think, so maybe, let me make sure I understand what you're saying. So it sounds like what you're saying is how versus the way we were parented, how does that impact the way that I parent? Um, Or that I see parenting, Um, which is one of my favorite things to talk about, actually. Um, So I think that with time, we grow. And our parents' parents grew, and we had our parents. And as time has passed, we have grown. And what worked back then may or may not work now.
0: Yes. Because it's that case. Like
1: Right. How about definitely. It. Children are children are different. I don't care what they I mean, just for a quick 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 silly example, me, you, your twin and our older sister. We're all like night and day.
0: <laughs> Very much <emotional. laughs> so. I mean,
1: you and your twin are like you can't get more opposites. Um, I think personally I'm a combination of both parents, and our other sibling is kind of more like mom.
0: You're introvert. You got yeah. introvert at times. I think.
1: I think we all can be, but um.
0: Consider so, fully introvert.
1: Yeah, when you want to be. Um, I think that children are different, and you have to respond to them different. But there are some things I want to really, really. Because parenting is important to me It's one of my favorite things It was one of my favorite things before I Became, well I'm in the parent role I'm a foster parent And um, I used to always use my Oldest nephew, I uh, call it Parenting by um, How do you guys used To call it uh, As part of the the circle You know it takes a group, it takes a, a Village, yeah. so parenting By village I
0: was about to say, what we in a we in a clique of them?
1: <laughs> yes, parenting by by village. So, because uh, my our sister had to work a lot, and so he spent a lot of time with us. So, while I'm not his parent, and I've not tried to be in that role, but I've had to parent him sometimes, um, just because he was always with us. So, anyway, um, the things that I think are critical and crucial uh, it, that that was impacted by the way we brought up and part of the growth that we have now, and that is number one off top unequivocally, just absolutely showing your kid love, and how you show your kid love being kind, um, and 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 knowing that you're talking to a per a little person a little tiny person who is depending on you, um. Don't put them down. Don't, you know, squash their ideas, their hopes, um, and just enjoy every moment. Like, I have a foster... I'm a proud, proud foster parent. I love my foster... Well, I have one now. I had one before. But the one I have
0: now...
1: Nephew. When, hmm? Nephew. Right. When, um, and when I see my nephew, like, my boys. I have all boys. My nephews and my foster are all boys. And when I'm around them, I get so much life and energy, and I just want to laugh and play and have fun and and just enjoy them, just doing nothing. We went to take Christmas pictures, and it was the best time for me. Like I get so much from them, but
0: um I feel like this. I feel like I'm so much of a discriminator that sometimes I question: Am I being too much? Not enough? You know, I'm trying to find that perfect balance, mm-hmm. and it's hard. Yeah, it is
1: hard.
0: I, 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 I talk um, to them every day. I talk to them. I tell them I love them because you know that's kind of not the thing in a being a male, especially black showing emotion and stuff like that because you have a lot of fathers, sons. All right, And I think that stuff. And I tell my I say, I love you. I say, but there's going to be times you're going to be mad there's going to be times you don't like me because of things I have to do. I say, everything is always in your best interest. I say, you may not understand it now, but later on you will. And I, I get that from our mother as far as with the mm-hmm. parents. And it's not trying to do it or not, it it's just kind of A reaction. Right. I don't want them to go through life feeling I wasn't loved. Right. But then I also don't want to go through life feeling like he was the drill sergeant. So, I mean. Which
1: is why there should be an equal distribution of when you and your wife, or I'm saying you and your wife, my sister in law when y'all are talking about parenting and parenting goals and what y'all want for the family, it's important that each person is not in a specific role the dominant time. And it's important that y'all come together and say, okay, this is what we want our parenting to look like. Like, even though our parenting from this time look like this and this is what I think, this is what so with all of that, with that with all that information this is what this is how we want to parent. Um, I think loving, touching, hugging, kissing—if your kids are open to it—those things are important because saying you love them that's wonderful. But let's let's put that into action. Yeah. Kids need and want and crave touch.
0: Yeah.
1: There's studies out. There's oh, studies
0: oh, watch how you say touch now. We get to I mean to be about that. I mean, okay.
1: hugging your babies, loving yep. on them. And me, with working with kids, especially when I had kids that I know that had a a, a traumatic history behind the the background, I, I always ask if it's okay if I can touch or hug or shake your hand or dap you up. And they would tell me, and I would respond. Now this is a, that's a new thing because back in the day you had to hug, kiss Uncle JoJo, Bobo, whoever, if you wanted to, if you didn't want to. And, but kids, we want to teach our kids that their body is their body and it's sacred. And if we want them to not allow any and everybody to touch them, then we have to teach them how to set those boundaries and respond and and respond and in, in a way that's positive, like. Oh, you don't want mommy to hug you right now? Okay, that's fine. All right, no big deal. Because everybody has, that's their right, that's their right. And you want to teach that from little so that when they grow up, if they don't want somebody hugging them, they can assert, can say in an assertive way, do not hug me. And it's okay. So I think teaching and showing and t- love, touching, hugging, reading, the big, One of the biggest things that our families don't do, play. When I say play, I mean get down on the floor. I mean roll around in the grass. I mean play, literally play with your children. And if you notice, they even have a commercial about it. Playing is very essential because children learn through play. You can't, you know, talking to them is good, but children learn through play. They learn how to identify things. They learn what you are, what you are talking to them about. Sit down and play with them. Let them win. Let them tell you the directions. Let them lead the game. Let them show you their world. If you want to get into a kid's world, play with them. Best time, thirty minutes, twenty minutes. My mom used to play with me. My dad. I bring fifty-five mud pies with.
0: Nine hundred
1: pieces of grass, and they would eat it all up—not literally, but you know, you oh know, yeah, this tastes
0: so good. Oh, you know, it's you know, so a have so Father is like just me and him in the front yard throwing the football. Mm-hmm. And it was not nice, It wasn't nothing that happened every day or nothing like that. It's once every blue moon and stuff like that. Because you know I was doing sports at that time, you know. So it was just like every blue moon, you know. But I felt like the things that he done was much more valuable as for as the lessons and talking and stuff like that.
1: Right. It's it's about you have to put it into work. You can,
0: those same
1: lessons that you want to teach verbally, put it into play, and kids get it, they grab it, they hold on to it. We, where I used to work, we make, I specifically, would make up a song so quick about, so, you know, the issue is hitting Okay, well, we get ready to do a dance We get ready to do a song uh, Hands are for hitting And feet are for kicking No, feet are for stomping We don't want to kick, sorry Hands are for hitting and feet are for stomping And we run around the office And we um, clap our hands And stump our feet And do all kinds of stuff But the And the lesson was Hands or for Hands are for something Hands are for fever, for something. I can't remember. I'm sorry. But anyway, hands were for positivity. Hands were for um, inspiring and uplifting. They were not to hit. So if I said hands are for hitting, that was wrong because that's not what we were trying to um, get across. But anyway, just go outside, run around, play with them, let them jump on you. Our dad used to let us wrestle with him, get on his back, roll around, like we just have fun, you know. And it was, it was no, it it was just that's just what it was. It wasn't oh I gotta put this up and I gotta do this. It was disconnect from your devices and connect with your children. That's what that's those are the things that I think or some of the most important, valuable things. Every day during the week, let your kid pick something y'all can do. It's not something you have to go and buy. Read a book, write a book, dance, sing. We had a dance-off for Thanksgiving. That was like the best thing ever. Like, we had so much fun. Yes,
0: don't remind me of it. (laughs) There was a lot of lack of rhythm there.
1: It was, but it was so much fun. Like, oh my God, those pictures are so awesome. And it's just You want to have a dance-off? Like, we were supposed to have another one where it was the kids versus the adults. We haven't had
0: that one yet. We have a lot of time. But on to another topic, I want to know, you know, dealing with everything you're dealing with with kids and everything like that, which is some great gems you dropped there. I want to discuss how is it being in the field as a black woman? within the field of social work and just black in general? How is that so important? Because there's so many as I've seen now from you know just studies and statistics a lot of black women and men are going into the field of social work so how does it feel to be within that field into a growing field of black African Americans?
1: Um, that is a great question. Uh, I would have to say for me Um, Being a black woman in the South.
0: You're black? I didn't know.
1: I know. Surprise. Um,
0: Surprise, surprise. There
1: are, for me, let me just say this. I absolutely, positively love being a social worker. I could talk to you about social work and cases and everything under the social work field for days and days and days. I love being a social worker. I I love being able to um, I love being able to come into people's lives that maybe I would have never come into their lives before, and having an, a, a positive experience with them, having an experience with them that I hope challenge their thoughts and stereotypes and whatever about. Black people, Black women, social workers, Black social workers. Um, so, I'm not sure if I'm answering the question, but that I try every day to, um, I try to represent every day.
0: You know, I always refer people to you you being in the field of social work. And it's not just because you're my sister. And no, it's because I know you have a passion for it. Thank you. <laughs> like that. So I refer them to you, like, and there were a couple of students that was uh, going to that, so, you know, I referred them. I don't know if they ever reached out to you or whatever, but, you know, mm-hmm. I gave emails and stuff like that to reach out so they can get some understanding of the field that they're going into. Right. Um, that is
1: very important action. because I'm glad, you, I'm glad you said that because... Um, So I'm going to answer that, but being a black person in America today is very different than it's been, very different in that there's change coming about. There's a lot of things that was kind of hush-hush that's louder now. And so it's it's a really interesting, changing time in history for African Americans. And so... Um. It's 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 something I and I I, I hate I'm I'm kind of fumbling because I I don't have all my words how I want to say it but the one thing is
0: you've been on that the rock huh oh, no no <laughs>
1: I love social work and I love helping people and I believe honestly it's a God thing and. I try to rep when I say I try to represent, I try to represent God. And even if there's a person that don't believe in God, that's okay. Whoever you believe in, but I want you to see the good in me. And I'm not um this uh I'm always happy, quote unquote, on top of the world. Uh fantasy fake life because life happens and life is real. But I am blessed. I love God. He made me a social worker. I love being a social worker. And so um, I think that love and that passion, comes it comes out of me. Like, it, it, it can't stay in me. It comes out of me. And so one of my favorite, favorite patients, and they're all my favorite, but this particular one, when I say he grabbed my heart and he stole it, I mean, He grabbed my heart and stole it and this man lived in a place that I had never even heard of Never had been to and when I say it was in the country, I mean it was in the country and I Loved him and his family and it was a pleasure For me to serve him and his family when he was, you know going through hospice and This is a place that I, one, if I would have found, probably would have been a little nervous about finding, and they probably would have been a little nervous about me coming up there. But when I walked in, they were just as nice, and he was cranky and spicy, and he had cursed out the other social workers, and I was like, why y'all sending me in if he can curse all y'all out? And so he was one of my favorites, and he was, I call him my pea man because he taught me about peas, about growing peas. He had a pea patch for him and it was awesome and so when I say I love him I prayed when we when we left to go out of town for um in October about five years ago and I knew before I left he was getting getting pretty close and I prayed and prayed and God able me to come back and meet with him and on that Thursday when I met with him I stayed to his house almost two hours because I knew, I knew when I left there, I was never going to see him alive again. And I just sat there, and I was with the family. I told him I was going to jump out of his birthday cake because his birthday was coming. We just had the best time ever. And when I left, I hugged him, and he knew how much I loved him, and I know how much he loved me and his family loved me. And I like I said, when I left I knew I wouldn't see him again. And he they were gonna have a party for him. Anyway, long story short, he died and he was buried on his birthday and I went to his services and it was just beautiful. It was just it's just like I'm talking about, it's just beautiful that I was able I feel blessed that I was able to be a part of that. Wherein any other situation, I may not have been. So um, I love being a social worker.
0: It doesn't matter
1: what color your skin is. And at the end of the day, at the end of the very, very end of the day, only thing that matters is love. Okay. In my opinion, in my experiences. Okay. Well, I know
0: that was stated. a lot. I'm sorry. That was a well stay. I, I I was following everybody he was going, you know, from the, from the guards to the country and everything like that, and you know, black women in the field, everything like that. I was following. Mhm. Most following everything you said, and I know you just got to the point of highlighting that your color trans, you trans this color by your actions right. with this situation. So.
1: And the same thing with You know like I said I work with veterans And everybody has their own beliefs But when you come to me Or when God sends you to me Or however you get to me or I get to you I'm coming with help I'm coming for help I'm coming with help I'm coming coming for help And so I'm not saying I don't see um, Racism or prejudices In the field of social work I'm just saying that when I'm coming, I'm coming for
0: help. You're not coming out the black one, but you're coming out the black one, but you're coming out the social one to help. I'm coming as
1: help, yep. And if if I'm not the one, because there have been people who said they prefer someone else, that's okay. I'm going to get you to whoever you need because I might not be your case. Like there's somebody who's with this just saying
0: on this end. still there, or did we lose it?
1: Wait, can you hear me?
0: Oh, you must. We thought we had lost you for Oh
1: no, um, I was saying that I need for you to buy me that shirt that say I'm not for everyone because I love that shirt because everyone is not for everyone, but we all need each other. If that makes sense. Okay. You know, I had a I had a African American client one time tell me she didn't want me on her team because I was too happy. I was like, hmm. I'm too happy? I don't have problems. Social workers have problems. Just everybody have problems. We li we we live we we're human.
0: You choose not to let it affect your performance.
1: Well, right. When I'm at work I'm at work. Okay.
0: Okay, black woman, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, work. Um, you know me, I'm very, I want to say pro-black, fully black, all black, so I take a lot of pride in everything we do, especially you. Very proud of you being in the field and everything oh, you've thank done. Thank you. I know you gave me this long-winded, elaborate answer, which was good. Which is something that I wanted to hear Because I know your way of thinking I know how pro-black you are But you're worldly too Mm -hmm. So It was very enlightening To hear you speak this way Well thank you We're glad to have Miss Smith Hopefully Dr. Smith soon um, (laughs) We're just going to plant that seed out there It's been
1: a lifelong dream it well, have not got there yet, but
0: dream, dream. you know. That's right. know what they do. It's all what you make of it?
1: They do. There's nothing to it but to do it.
0: We'd love to have you on the podcast. We would love to have you back.
1: Thank um, you for having me. I feel very honored.
0: You and your circle of uh, social workers.
1: <laughs> right, being around a group of social workers is the best place to be, baby. I mean, of course, next to Jesus. Okay, I'm just that's just a joke. Nobody, I'm not trying to be. Just, that was just
0: a joke <sighs> <I understand. laughs> we enjoyed you well, I'll try to get you back uh who knowt touch us about? Yes,
1: it. I would love to come back and talk about um anything you'd like, but one of the things that um is kinda on my heart right now. There's several things, but one thing um is talking about suicide and suicide in the African Americans communities and culture and I just wanna kinda, you know, like you were talking about breaking down those myths with um the myth with um depression and, and mental health, I think we have a very large um stigma against oh, black people don't kill themselves, black people don't commit suicide.
0: That's and false. I'm here
1: to tell you that we do and we are doing it at an alarming rate. And I, them. Right, we need to really have some really real conversations with ourselves, with our friends, with our family, and with our well, community. The
0: age demographic, I need to cut you off because I, I read it a while back. Uh, well, I
1: can't it? say now, but I, what I can say, I can't give you the exact numbers, but I will tell you that African-Americans in general are on the rise and African-American females are really really increasing in not attempts but actual suicide. Mm. And it's heartbreaking. So, um, yeah, whenever we can um get together again I would definitely love to come back and maybe bring a couple of my friends and so y'all don't just have to hear me and um and just share some good information with you all to share With other people and to know that there's help out there To know that You are loved even if and when you don't Feel like it you are loved Um, And so Yeah I'm definitely looking forward to coming back And hanging out
0: I'm also looking
1: forward to A good old game of beating you in Uno or dominoes Pick you Whichever one you want I can beat you
0: Enough about your losses coming (laughs) but (laughs) <laughs> um, we, want, we want to have you back. We want to dive back into this conversation because it's very fascinating. It's very real. And it's something that's very alarming that we need to discuss. Um, again, like I told you, we're proud of you. There's a lot of young black women looking up to you right now. So you're setting a good example, Aiden, and everything like that. So keep doing what you're doing. Awesome. Thank
1: but, you. I love you.
0: i not trying to talk to you. I love I you. I love you. Okay, I love you too.
1: (laughs) Can I say your nickname now?
0: Oh Lord, get it out, get it out! No, no, I'm not, I'm
1: not. (laughs) Anyway, I love you, brother. Thank you for having me.
0: You have a blessed night. You too. Bye bye. Bye. What's up? What's up? Welcome to the Blackness Podcast. I'm your host, Southeast Joe. Um, On the podcast, we will discuss all things black, politics, race, dating, relationships, everything, sports. Everything dealing with the black culture and the black community as we try to positively see light at the end of the tunnel to everything. Hope y'all enjoy.